If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to Genesis, the 45th chapter. Genesis, the 45th chapter. This is going to kind of be a continuation of where we uh, were last week. And we're just going to kind of carry this on just a little bit further. Genesis, the 45th chapter. We'll begin reading there today. Now, this message today is about bitterness. But I think that we're going to see, we're going to find as we go through this sermon today that it's more about forgiveness. But here just for a second, let me talk just a little bit about bitterness in our life today before we begin to read. You know, kids are the worst in the world, and I probably was the same way, but, but uh, we, we eat with our eyes. You know, we, we can look at, at food and determine that it's just not going to be good, just by the way it looks. And, and we're convinced that it's going to taste bad, no matter what. And, but some foods can surprise us. Take, take, for example, an apple. You know, there's, there's nothing better than a big old red, sweet, delicious, cold apple until you bite into it and that sucker's bitter and sour. And, and you make this awful face. It's kind of like a, a, a little kid, especially a, a, a small kid when they get to experience lemon for the first time. You, you give them lemon and they pucker up, you know, and have this awful look. And, and, and the thing is, when we have that look of bitterness on our face, it's not a real good uh, look and we shouldn't certainly wouldn't want somebody to take our picture about right then. But the thing about it is, with, with bitterness, we can wash the bitterness of food out of our mouths. But the face of bitterness is not very attractive. You know, many people wear the face of bitterness today. Their bitter expressions aren't because of something they have eaten. It is because of something they have experienced in their life. It is because of some painful moment or situation in their past. And you know, there is nothing that hurts us worse than the bitterness of being betrayed by a friend or a confidant. Or, or others, or even, I mean, we, we can have bitterness in our lives because of our own bad decision that, that we made. And the thing about it is, it robs us of our joy. It prevents us from moving forward, not only with God, but with others as well, because it can split a beautiful relationship wide open. But let's get back to our story. We're going to talk about Joseph again today in Genesis 45. And Joseph displayed a different face. You know, Joseph had every right to be bitter. After everything that, that his brothers had done to him, he had every right to be, be bitter. But he provides for us a very compelling pattern 
for us to follow as He refused to be bitter toward His brothers. He just didn't let it get in the way. He chose to forgive His brothers instead. He chose to let them off the hook, so to speak. And, and by doing that, he, he, you know, we too can do the same thing. We can either choose to be bitter or we can choose to be better. Now you think about that. that. That's a decision that you have to make because whatever has happened in your life, you can either choose to be bitter or you can choose to be better. Now, the last time that we talked, last week in Genesis, you remember that Joseph had interpreted the dream for King Pharaoh. And he had told King Pharaoh there's going to be seven years of plenty and then there's going to be seven years of famine. We've already went through the seven years of plenty and now we're going into the seven years of famine. famine. Just like Joseph predicted. It's just the way he said it was going to happen. And that famine had forced Jacob, Joseph's dad, to send all of Joseph's brothers back to Egypt so that they could buy food for the family. Now, we read about that first trip that the brothers made to Egypt in Genesis 42. And now the brothers find themselves once again in front of their brother Joseph. They're in the presence of Joseph. And I think that each and every one of us, probably at some point in our life, we have been at a point where emotion just simply overwhelms us. And we can't predict when it's going to happen. It always happens at an unexpected time. And some of us don't like to show emotion. But, but, but sometimes it just transpires. It just happens. And we don't like it because we can't control it. And, and Joseph experienced such a wave of emotion. You know, ever since his brothers came to him that first time, he had been messing with them. He had been toying with them because they did not recognize who he was. They did not realize they were standing right before their very own, uh, you know, uh, brother. And, but now because of these events that are happening, these current events, it finally caused Joseph to lose his composure. Now, here the brothers are in front of Joseph. And brother Judah is doing the talking. And he is pleading for Benjamin. Remember Benjamin is the youngest of the litter. Benjamin is the one that is in prison and they're trying to get him out of prison. He, he was the youngest brother of Joseph. And because of his brother's love and because of his compassion... Not only for Benjamin, but for their father as well. Remember they told him, we're going to Egypt. We're going to bring Benjamin back with us. That, that touched Joseph deeply. And so, that's the reason why for this wave of emotion. Alright, let's look in Genesis, the 45th chapter. Look in verse 1. And by the way, you're going to want to put you a bookmark in Genesis because we will be going other places and looking at some other scriptures. Genesis 45, verse 1. Y'all there? Amen? Amen. 
Then Joseph could not refrain, that word refrain means hold back, himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, Cause every man to go out from me, and there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brothers. Let me visit with you today simply about bitterness. That's the title of this sermon, Bitterness. Now, before I read any more, I want you to see something here out of verse 1. What we see transpiring, it was time for Joseph to come clean. It was time for him to let his brothers know who he was. So we see that he, he ordered his staff, he ordered all of his entourage to leave the room, and he revealed himself to his brothers. Look in verse 2. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doeth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled. That word troubled means dismayed at his presence. Now, Joseph had recognized his brothers, the first time that he had seen them. The first time that they had come to buy grain. Now here they are standing before him once again. And Joseph couldn't hold out any longer. He had to tell them who he was. So his brothers were absolutely terrified. They were absolutely speechless in his presence. And it was a very shocking moment because the man before them was Joseph, their very brother. Now, could you imagine, just for a second here, what do you think they were thinking? What do you think all of those brothers were thinking when Joseph said, it's me. I'm Joseph. Now, we can understand why there was a bit of shock. We can understand why they were somewhat traumatized and terrified because it would have been real easy for Joseph to let the bitterness get a hold of him and lower the boom on all of his brothers. You know, there, there's no doubt in my mind they were sitting there thinking, guys, we've had it. We, 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 we are fixing to be punished. We, we're fixing to be goners. But, you know, and the reason I say that is when they were in Joseph's presence, Joseph always illustrated his power and his authority in their presence. Now, they knew he was all, or now that they knew that, that, that this was their brother, they surely were afraid that he was going to use that power and he was going to revenge, get revenge for all that they had done to them. So the fact that Joseph's brothers are, are trembling and terrified uh, 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 just reveals to me that their hearts were not right with God. And the reason I say that is this. They were loaded down with the burden of guilt. Ever since they had sold their brother into slavery, among many other things, they had been carrying around this burden of guilt, and it was just like huge chains that was wrapped around their ankle. 
But yet the Bible tells us that Joseph was crying. And I'm sure they didn't know if what Joseph was crying about was because he was fixing to get even or if it, it, it was joy. You know, they didn't know if it was joy or if it was his bitterness. So as we continue to study this lesson, as we continue to look further into this story, we will see that Joseph's love and his concern and His forgiveness toward His brothers. But at that moment that we're talking right now, these brothers were likely too shocked to even sense Joseph's love the least little bit. And understand, Joseph didn't try to hide the past. He, he didn't try to hide the past. He didn't act like it never happened. But he did not hold the past over his brothers' heads either. He chose to move on from the path. So these verses that we're looking at today is a very vivid illustration, if you will, of forgiveness in action. I want you to pay real close attention as we go through this, through this conversation in this passage, and notice when and how forgiveness is given. Now something I need to interject here real quick before we carry on is this. Joseph clearly had faith in God. There's no doubt about it. He clearly had faith in God. But up to this point, I'm sure he still struggled somewhat with the bitterness and the injustice of all that had happened to him. You know, the cruelty of his brothers, the disloyalty, that surely must have come to mind pretty regular in the 13 years. As I told you last week, you remember Joseph was 30 when he became second in command. He was 17 when he was sold into slavery. So he had 13 years to stew on all the things that his brothers had done to him. And, but then there they were. Right before his very eyes, and, and hearing them plead for their younger brother, that changed behavior, that was overwhelming for Joseph. He was overcome with emotion. And the Bible tells us that he cried loudly, he wept loudly. And with those tears, he was moved to respond. Look in verse 4. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you, and they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. There was an English historian by the name of Thomas Fuller, and he had this quote, He that cannot forgive others breaks the bridge over which he must pass himself. Did you get that? He that cannot forgive others, breaks the bridge over which he must pass himself. For every man at some point is in need of forgive, forgiveness or needs to forgive someone else. Every Sunday, folks, believe, whether you realize this or not, every Sunday, Christians come into church and celebrate the bridge of forgiveness that is built by Jesus Christ. That is the central point of our faith. 
Christ was crucified for our sins. He was slain for our freedom. Folks, He laid down His life for us. And when He did that, He built a bridge between condemnation and salvation. And every week, every time we come into this church, we celebrate that. Thousands of people walk into churches on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, whenever, and they sing to, to God, and they thank Him for the, the bridge that He built that we are now able to cross over. And what did Joseph do? Joseph built a bridge between him and his brothers. That's what he's doing. And we can do the same thing in our lives when it comes to someone that has done us wrong, that has hurt us deeply in some way. And I want to tell you this. We just sang that song about God's grace. Grace is the only way to live in a close relationship with others. Moments later, Joseph had this to say. He expressed grace to his brothers. I want you to look down in verse 14. And he fell upon his brother's neck, Benjamin's neck, I'm sorry, and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And after that, his brethren talked with him. And there it is. Did you see it? Did you see it right there in those two verses? Joseph outward affection was a sign of his inward decision to forgive. And that is the hard part of forgiving. You know, inwardly, we can say that we have forgiven someone who has hurt us badly. How many times, though, have we said, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget? If you don't forget, you ain't ever forgave. You see, what, what did Joseph do? He forgave his brothers and he got past it. It was over. It was done. Let's move on. So God is teaching us through Joseph today that outward expression or forgiveness to other people it is shown by our inward feelings. And honestly, you will be the one. Listen to me now. You will be the one that's going to carry that burden on your shoulders until you completely forgive and you completely forget. Now I want you to back up to verse 5. Now therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye, that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Even as he forgave his brothers, Joseph called on his brothers to forgive themselves. That's another hard part about forgiveness. You can ask somebody to forgive you, but you have got to be able to forgive 
yourself. You know, in, in our humanity, we may want the one who has hurt us to just be miserable. To just feel all sorts of incredible remorse. To beat themselves up over and over and over for what they did. But forgiveness does not require that. We might wait for years for an apology from, from, from someone before deciding to forgive someone who hurt us. And I want to tell you something. That is not biblical and that is very unhealthy. We forgive. Why? Because it is the right thing for us to do. Regardless of how the other people responds, we still need to forgive them, forgive ourselves, and get on and get past it. You know, a lot of times, when we want to surprise someone, we get them a gift and, and we hide it behind our back. Until just the right moment. The element of surprise. And then we give whoever that gift. Waiting for the perfect moment. Well, you know, God holds something behind His back as well. But it's quite the opposite of a gift. It's our sin. God hides our sin. Are y'all with me here? Alright, let me show it to you. Go to Isaiah, the 38th chapter. Isaiah, the 38th chapter. Look in verse 17. Isaiah 38. 17. Y'all there? Amen? Behold, for peace, or my own peace, I had great bitterness. But thou hast in love to my soul delivered from the pit of corruption, for thou hast cast all my sins. Where? Behind my back. Or it says, thy back. Now, the next time, the next time you find yourself struggling, having difficulty and you're struggling, I ask you to pray that God help you gain something beneficial from them. And as we read that verse, that's a very powerful picture of forgiveness. You see, God has chosen to put our past behind Him. It's done with. And that is what Joseph chose to do for his brothers. In doing so, he revealed the heart of our Heavenly Father. He chose to forgive his brothers for all their brutality, all their cruelty. Notice the affection he showed as, as, as he saw them standing in the room. You remember in verse 4, he told them to come near to him. Any hard feelings were now being removed by the power of grace. You notice there was no anger. There was no fantasies of revenge. 
In other words, Joseph was able to see the big picture, which is why he didn't want his brothers to be hard on themselves. Joseph wasn't excusing their sinful behavior. That's not what he was trying to do at all. But he, he saw that God had been at work and was still working to redeem the bad situation for His glory. You see, God can take our bad situations, our worst experience, our most painful things that has happened to us and use them. And by Him doing that, why should we be so unforgiving? What did Joseph tell his brothers? I should have looked it up. I think it's in chapter 50. But he said, what you meant toward me for evil, God meant it for good. God was working. God had Joseph exactly where he needed to be at this particular time to accomplish his goal. Not Joseph's goal, God's goal. So if God can take our bad situation and do something marvelous with it, how can we be unforgiving? Oh my... Even more so, how can we be unforgiven when God has forgiven so much more from us? Flip over to Matthew 20 real quick. Matthew 20, 28. Several of you probably know that by heart. Matthew 20, 28. Amen. It says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, that word ministered unto is, is serve, thank you, but to minister, serve, and to give His life a ransom for many. Do you see it? As God's people, we are blessed by being a blessing. Sharing our lives, sharing our gifts with others is central to who we are as Christians. So following, following Jesus means not only do we serve God, but we serve others as well. You should be praying. Lord, give me eyes to see and ears to hear when someone is in need so you can be of service to them. Alright, let's go back to Genesis 45. Look in verse 7. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity remnant in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. You see, Joseph didn't view himself as a self-made man. He knew that he was exalted by God. He was being used by God for the purpose of serving others. You know, in this social media world we live in, there is always the temptation 
for self-exaggeration. And it's more present than ever. You know, we, we promote ourselves. We enhance photos. We, we caption things, causing people to believe we are much better than we truly are. I like the way a bumper sticker said it. The bumper sticker read, If only my life could be as great as yours appears on Facebook. But you see, God didn't put us here on earth to exalt ourselves. God didn't put us here to build ourselves up. He has placed us here to build up the kingdom of God. And what does the kingdom of God consist of? People. So that tells us that we are to use our talents, we are to use our gifts, our ability, our resources to lift others up. And that is the most rewarding use of time that you can use your time for. Alright, let's read some more. Go to Genesis the ninth verse. Genesis 45, ninth verse. Haste ye... And go up to my father and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. In other words, don't be messing around. Don't delay. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children and thy children's children and thy flocks and thy herds and all that thou hast. And there will I nourish, that word nourish is provide for thee, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thy house hast come to poverty. Joseph knew what was still ahead. He had already interpreted the dream for Pharaoh. Seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. We're two years into that famine. There's five more to go. And he knew that. So what does he tell his brothers? He commanded them. He said, you go. You go quickly. You get daddy. You get your wives. You get your kids. You get your kids' kids. Get all your cows, your horses, your mules, your pigs, your donkeys, everything you got. All your furniture, all your food, everything. And you come on back. And Joseph promised that he would provide for them. He was in that position. So the group hit it home. But now with what? Instead of being worried that they were going to be wiped out, now they have hope. Now they have joy for the future. I read that statement and I think to myself, we can live with that same hopeful expectation in the future because of why God's love for us. Joseph's actions reflect the power of the gospel. That's what you see. Think about it. As a person comes to faith in Christ, not only is their record of sin erased, but their eternal future in heaven is secured. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's a verse in the Bible. It's in Hebrews, by the way. But I can't tell you where it is. I forgot to look it up. But I preached that sermon. Y'all remember that sermon I preached here on that verse? Curtis, I'll let you off the hook. You might not have been here. 
But the rest of you should have been checking your head. Yeah, we remember that one. It was a good one. Oh boy, do I need to get that one out again. I didn't get an amen. But you see, the same one who, who, who had our best in mind, when He secured our salvation, He continues to care for us. He continues to provide for our best. The future is bright. All we have to do is trust in Him. That's all we have to do is trust in Him. Now, maybe we should stop here for a moment. And maybe should, we should think about how we may have undervalued the future joy of following Jesus. You know, our tendency is, is to focus on forgiveness of the past. Guilt is heavy. It's very heavy. We all feel it. But the relief from the past is only half the equation, folks. Listen to me. To live in Christ means to live without fear of the future. We don't need to be worrying about it. He will take care of us if we keep our eyes on Him. But my question to you is, what do we focus on? What do we worry about? In this time of $5 gas and inflation and recession and all this bad stuff, oh my God, the world's going to come to an end. What are we going to do? I went down the aisle in Walmart and the Cheetos are gone there. Oh my. We worry about big bank accounts because we think that's where we're going to find our security. But rather, the inexhaustible, inexhaustible love of Christ should be our security. I did know this one. What does the Bible tell us? Hebrews 13, 5. Oh, y'all, never one of y'all should remember that one. Come on. Hebrews 13, 5. Keep yourself free from the love of money. Be content wherever you are. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I think we're going to start having Bible memory verses in church class. Man, you ought to be able to spit them out like gas through a funnel and eggs through a hen at 75. Well, at least he's got the important part down. But you see, that, that's Jesus' promise to us. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So as we close here, and, and, and we think about our safety net. My question to you, what is your safety net? 
you know, are you putting all your stock in your job or your stock account or your bank account or your life savings? You see, what God is warning us about here is this. We have to be careful about shifting our focus from heavenly things to earthly things. And why do I tell you that? Because it's a losing game. It's a game you cannot win. We have nothing to fear in the future when we trust in Christ. What did Jesus say in the Gospel of John, the 14th chapter? He said... I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again. That where I am there, you may be also. What does it say? In my Father's house are many mansions. And we're worried about here. And you're absolutely right. We shouldn't be worrying. We should be praying. So where's your security? What are you holding on to? My question is this. Do you trust Christ? Do you trust Him? Do, do you have faith in Him? You know what faith is? Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. So is God telling us the truth? When He says the only way to go to Him is through who? His Son. Jesus Christ. So... That's all we have to do. It's as simple as that. It is your choice. That's all you have to do is trust in Jesus. And your future secure. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Put Hebrews 13.5 on a little 3x5 card and put it somewhere where you can see it. Where you can read it on a daily basis. Because He'll never let you down. And He will help you through whatever comes our way. Let's pray together. Father God, we just thank You for Your love, Your mercy, Your grace. The blessings that You give us. Father, we just thank You we have this church that we can come to and spend time as brothers and sisters in Christ studying Your Word, hearing Your Word proclaimed. Father, we thank You for Your Son who laid down His life for us. And we thank You that we have the promise of a heavenly home. We don't need to worry. We don't need to fret about what's going to happen tomorrow. Father, just continue to protect us in this very challenging time that we live. Father, we ask You forgive us every time we fail You to just overcome, 
to put our sin in, in behind us, Father, to seek forgiveness and move on and try harder to do better. Father, I thank You for all the folks that are here. I thank You that You bless us, that You walk with us, that You guide and direct our lives, Father. And I certainly want to pray for those that are not here. I pray that they're safe, they're all right. Father, all the folks, all the situations we've talked about on our prayer list, the needs are there. And we ask You to meet the needs. Certainly, Father, we pray that You'll send us some rain. So as we leave here, Father, guide and direct us, Father, and help us maintain our focus on You. Help us maintain our focus on heavenly things, not earthly things. And we'll be careful to praise Your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.